0: Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast presented by the New York Post. What is a Renaissance Man? A Renaissance Man is someone who keeps his ear to the streets and fingers on the pulse of fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Remember, subscribe and rate the pod. We have a five-star rating. If I played baseball, I'd be a 5-2 player. I was a member of the 5'5, 5 the fifth member in my family. I have the number 5 tattoo on my left forearm. It's my lucky number. in College. We need a five-star rating. I love to give shout-outs. I'm going to make sure I show you love. So I want to say what up, though, to Lamar G313, who says, great podcast. Love the Big Sean interview. Continue putting on for the city and being a great example for all of us. Thanks a lot, Lamar. I'm going to always give you a dope pod to step to. Oh, as a matter of fact, that's the next comment. Big shout. TD5. That's a T, Dfy. Shout out J-Rose from J&J to the Renaissance Man. He's always going to hold it down. Ten years in the game. Appreciate having that support. What up, though? Tenfold all day. Appreciate the shout. Thank you for the love and the support. Who says? Pod Hall of Fame. Keep getting them checks. What up with a hoodie? You right. We need to get some Renaissance Man hoodies. I'm going to talk to the crew about that. This week's interview is with the legend, King. Nasir Jones, and the theme is a classical artist who was never classically trained. This week's episode is truly special, a classical artist who was never classically trained. The reason I started the Jalen Rose Leadership Academy is that the world appreciated my basketball prowess. And while I was a McDonald's All-American in high school, a member of the Fab Five in college and a max player in the NBA, I always valued my education, never wanted to be considered a dumb job. I wasn't classically trained to be a founder of a tuition-free public charter high school. When you enter a new round, there are going to be things that You have a stronger knowledge base than others. So it's always important to create diversity in our board, people are from different walks of life. So we have people that are from the marketing background, the construction background, the education background, so that every perspective is covered. I learned that surrounding yourself with diverse perspectives is extremely important. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Keep learning. My next guest is one of the greatest rappers of all time, but also one of the most intellectual men in music without having a formal education. His work is studied in college classrooms, even though he never went to college. That's a professor for you. So with that being said, we're gonna learn a thing or two or three about how to stay informed and continuously practice critical thinking. I am so very honored for today's special guest. And up next, Nas. Welcome to this week's episode of The Renaissance Man. And this is a special treat for everybody. This week's theme. Is a classical artist who was never classically trained. And I'll let you guys know what that means. This gentleman, the King Nasir Jones, is here and he deserves that. This gentleman has one group album, four mixtapes, one collaborative album, 79 singles. You can know, him, man. <laughs> one EP, five compilation albums, 13 studio albums. In 51 music videos, including one you shot today. Welcome to the program, Nasir Jones. Thank you, I'm honored, I'm honored. Thank you, boss. I appreciate the love. So let's just start at the beginning. The first time I got introduced to your lyrical wordplay, was live at the barbecue. I was listening to the main source. I'm looking at the front door. I'm like, hey. And then all of a sudden, they passing the mic around like Wu-Tang Clan. And they're like, oh, stop the mic. Stop. He was like, yo, we got to get this guy the mic. Yo, 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 yo. So can you relive that moment for me? Because that became something that
1: birthed a legend. That was, um, yo, yeah, that was the beginnings. The whole beginnings. And... I was working with Lars Professor Paul from a group uh Main Source. And he was just this young prodigy. He was ahead of his time with the production and he he worked on his album and um, he put me on a song. And um, the rest is history. The song is Live with, Live at the Barbecue, myself, Akinelli, Joe Fatal, and Lars Professor. And it's like a posse cut, what they used to call posse cuts. <laughs> and they let me go first on that joint, and that's all I needed was that first that uh, first verse on that joint, and that's I just took it from there. It's just like we just went. So in football,
0: like the quarterback's main attribute has to be at some point throwing from the pocket. For you, it's always been your lyrical wordplay and your intellect. Why has the purity of the sport of rap been so very important to you this entire time?
1: I think, um, like yourself, we grew up as fans. And um, the most, the most startling thing I ever saw was Run D.M.C. Rock Box, King of Rock, seeing them on uh, MTV. That they was even getting coverage by MTV. It was just, it just blew me away. Guys like that, the Fat Boys, you name it, Slick Rick, one of my favorites. You know, I just, I just, I just saw what it was doing in the park jams. Jalen and with the DJs that brought the equipment out and I just saw it go from there. And I just saw it just grown. I just, you know, so day I'm still, I'm still a fan of that side of it, the early side of it. Cause I'm still getting up on songs that came out in like 81. I still find songs like, like that. And um, so I'm, I'm a, just, a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And you've also
0: not only combined Your ability to spit. And I say this a lot, but I'm going to say this multiple times because you're here. And I know I use this for other people, but you literally spit bars. I've been saying that for so very long. But you also (laughs) institute critical thinking, intellect. What are some of the artists that inspired you to put that in your rhymes?
1: I think um, it starts from the early days of Melly Mel and Mo D and... um, it's so many of them. Um, Double Trouble, when I saw them in Wild Style, and then it graduated, the, the game got into uh, Coogee Rap. Rakim, Kane, those guys.
0: So I know that you were a chip-tooth assassin and you were spitting bars, but you also had a combination of cool, and you seem to be like one of the first dudes that the dudes thought was cool and the ladies thought was fly. And then you hit us with the mathematics as well. The game in your rhyme. You always elevated. I always got smarter listening still to this day to your rhymes. Why was that important to you?
1: Oh man, that means a lot. I think um, with rap in general is words. So the more words you know, the more meanings of those words, the better you are. That's your ammunition, you know? And learning words younger just took me on a journey, you know. It just took me to a place where, I, well, we you know, the tapes we was buying, I'm hearing like, check out my melody, and you know, some of his lines was like, I never heard him, I never heard the word Moet said in such a smooth way, it just, I take seven MCs, put them in a line, and I have seven more brothers who think they can rhyme, and take seven more before I go for my 21 MCs, they're about the same time. Like, I mean, it was just like those kind of, Rhyme schemes were never thought of before. And I thought that if you can do that to the world, then I want to attempt to try to do it. If Kooji Rap could say the things he was saying, and Big Daddy Kane saying the things in his wordplay, I just had to join that party. you know. And I wanted to mean what they meant to me. I wanted to say, if I'm going to get in this thing, it got to be for real. So I appreciate what you said, man. All facts. And you made us feel like...
0: Queensbridge, vividly, is what it looks like through your rhymes. So give us a picture of what it was like growing up in Queensbridge for you and your family.
1: I mean, there was different times, different eras. There was the time when we were kids, and that was fun. We were, we were a fun family. We had it all, man. We were like, uh, you know, my crib was kind of lit. There was times when it was just the black and white TV, too, the black and white TV with the antenna stuck in it and you change the channel with the pliers. With the pliers all day! You know, the good, you know the, hum, the good beginners, man, making toast at the bottom of the stoves with the cheese on top. You know what I'm saying? Like, we wasn't even on welfare and we had the welfare cheese because that was the best chicken. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, it, it come from those fun times, too. You get to a point where you're in school and you're trying to figure out your way and what career you think you wanna have. And, you know, started falling behind with that and started to like, wanna hang out on the block more. And then the block took us over and then it was just like, whoa, how's this gonna end? So it was an incredible roller coaster ride, incredible, beautiful people. I was inspired by the people I saw growing up. They were really uh, intelligent people from all walks of life that gave me words of wisdom. You know, older people. It gave me words of wisdom. My mom was, you know, the center of it all. You know, pushing us to to be better. You know, she always was trying to get us to see the whole world as ours, like you know. My pops too, of course, because he's in the music and he's coming back with euros and pounds and francs and showing me this. And I'm like hearing stories about him getting wild with his band and getting locked up in Europe. I'm like, what is that like? You know, i never want to. <laughs> Son, know that you don't want to get locked up in Europe, and I, I remember that you know. And he told me, I tried. You know, I was a weed smoker at one point when I got into the music. Later, mm-hmm. he said, "Never bring it with you, because wherever you're going, they, they could have it there for you already." Watch well, <laughs> out. So I took those rules when I started making music, but you know, you never forget where you come from. And since you being
0: from Queensbridge, you've taken where you've come from and turned it into Queensbridge venture capitals. Now all of a sudden you went from being an MC to being an entrepreneur. That's amazing growth. How did you go from being one of the greatest MCs that you still are, but you're also an entrepreneur and not to count your pockets, but you're winning in that game. How did you get to that side of the business?
1: Uh, Going back to Queensbridge, before I was into rap, I was trying to be a businessman. Like I was into, I'm talking about very young. I was I would make files in my drawers. You pull them out, I got files. This is the comic book business. This is the that, the gaming business, like making board games. This is and we created board games. We was crafty little kids and that other kids could play with. And, and then to the back burner, I was like, I'm a screenplay writer. I'm a dis- I had all these aspirations at a very, I had this imagination. I know a lot of kids out there have the same, if not more, bigger dreams than I had. But I had these dreams to be a businessman as a kid, um, just from watching television. You know what I'm saying? So to come from where I come from, like I say, at 10 points, a hood that's known for murder, I named it after a hood that's known for murder, now doing mergers, to flip it and change it into something that we've never seen before. You know what I'm saying? Queensbridge Venture partners. Never been seen before. And now my life is about meeting interesting people, doing interesting things for the future. And I want to be a part of it. I'm at that age where I got to that age, Jalen, that I just said, these things interest me. The things that I liked as a kid, kid, mm-hmm. they, they're back. And, and more than ever, I'm, I've done the rap thing. I've done, you've done it so long that you want to do something
0: else. That's dope. And I've been fortunate enough to eat at a couple of your restaurants. And I've been inspired by food as well in a lot of ways, because I always think back to sugar water and mayonnaise sandwiches. And you talked about some of the things you ate growing up. So now that you're in the restaurant
1: business, how has your diet changed? (laughs) Oh, man, I think my diet changed, like, At least 10 years ago, before I got in the restaurant business, I just realized I can't eat like I'm 14 years old no more. So my diet got healthier and I just do everything in moderation. But I'm definitely a foodie. And so if it's pizza, I want the best pizza. I want the best uh, comfort food. So I got down with Sweet Chick at the right time. And it's, it's out there. We got a couple of stores now. Now we have Little Chick that's, you know, due to what's happened with the pandemic, we had to, you know, form around it and make it work, you know. So the menu's a little different, but
0: we're around. We're here. So please let them know where the restaurants are and if they go, when they go, some of the things they should order on the menu. Uh, we're in Brooklyn.
1: Two locations in Brooklyn. Uh, Williamsburg and Flatbush. We're near Barclays. We're in Low, uh, Lower East Side, uh, Ludlow Street. We're in Queens on Vernon Boulevard, where I grew up. Uh, oh. Shout out to everybody in Long Island City, Queens. Shout out to Queens Branch, oh. Astoria, Ravenswood, everybody. We're in uh, LA, and we're in also in Queens. We're in city field where the Mets play. We're in there. And uh, we have uh, one in London, and we had another one in London about to come, but the COVID thing stopped everybody that was about to open around, but I don't want to mention yet because uh, it's not ready to be mentioned yet. But brother, I'm grateful. I'm happy. Your money's no good there. If you're listening, everybody from <laughs> Sweet Chick, when you see him rolling there, his money's no good there.
0: Thanks, <laughs> exactly. I appreciate that. And COVID has had a major effect clearly on all of us. We've been quarantining. Over 220,000 people have died. So, Professionally as an entrepreneur and as an artist just put out a great project. How are you doing during these times? And how has it affected your business in either way?
1: It affected everything in a crucial way. But we've been lucky, you know what I mean? And we've been we've been going really hard to keep everything more than afloat. We're doing everything we can to protect the people we're working with and and all of that. And it's been like for me. I'm a homebody, so I, I like to be indoors anyway. But it's a it's a, a messed up time in the world, and I say that we got to vote. I'm vote. I voted. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, I, the first time I voted was Barack Obama, and and this time I had to. I mean, why not? You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important. That's it.
0: Please tell us about the most recent album. I know about it. I've studied it. It's a classic. I want everybody to go out and cop King's Disease.
1: King's Disease is dedicated to all kings and queens out there who take care of their responsibilities, take care of their business, and dealing with a lot of uh, distractions, a lot of hate, and even things that you might not be doing to take care of yourself. King's Disease is about getting right, getting yourself right, and and just knowing it comes with the territory, the drama, the stuff comes with the territory, or when you're standing up trying to do right, but keep going. Ultra Black. Yes, sir. Ultra Black, man, is, a, is an enjoyment. A time for, when it's a time when the world is trying to put their foot on your neck, literally, mm. you can't. Because we're still proud of who we are. And it's it's very inclusive song because it's about pride. Everyone should have pride, no matter who you are, Italian, Puerto Rican, Dominican, Greek, Asian, Indian, have pride in yourself. It doesn't say anti-you, it's saying, no. I am ultra this, come over here, let's have fun, We're gonna... it's a good time. That's what the song is, a good time. For, you never deviated from your message. How tough has it been for you to
0: stay real?
1: I realized that there must be another fight for me. I realized that if I'm seeing people jump off the real bandwagon and back, or jump off and go, it was too much for them. And then we're all human beings, nobody's perfect. I can't yep. expect everybody to be with the torch and run it all the way, but this is what I'm here to do. I'm here to do the thing I love to do. The rest of the stuff comes with the, all of the accolades and all of that, that's cute. But what's real is that I really love what I do. And that's if, if I can do that, that's all I want to do is continue to create music. There's
0: an inspiration beyond just the music, and I'm forever grateful. But before I let you get out of here, I do a segment called Gone in Sixty Seconds, where we do a rapper fire where I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. Here we go. I'm gonna start the clock in three, two, one. What's more essential to your style? Fresh kicks or fresh hairline? Fresh hairline. You're on a restaurant in Brooklyn called Sweet Chicks. We, me- we mentioned that. Pick one thing off the menu that's a must order
1: the vegan uh, sandwich. The vegan sandwich. I think that's new. Miles Davis or Dizzy Gillespie? Miles. Miles. I just saw a documentary, Birth of Cool, Incredible.
0: And it was a great moment for hip hop to see you and Jay standing face to face, eye to eye, because y'all had a lyrical assassination battle. But, lyrics aside which song had a better beat ether Ether. or takeover (laughs) how about that's a how about that's a verb now we use that as a term It's like
1: yo you got ether I didn't even know what that meant I had to google it yo the other beat was by Kanye so that was that was hard that was hard and the 1998 I'm gonna say that again the
0: 1998 Oscar for best actor in the film, goes to Master P and I got the hookup, or Nas and Belly. Me and Belly. Belly is a classic. Shout we out to High Williams. At this point in your life, with all you've accomplished, are you more Uchi Wally or One
1: Mike? Well, Marvin Gaye was "Let's Get It On." but he was also, what's going on? Could I be both? <laughs> Could I be both like the King Marvin? I, I mean, I think I'm more one mic, honestly. I think I know what you're saying. I'm more one mic than, than I'm definitely more one mic than Uchi Wally, though. Definitely. Definitely. Oh, man. Those All just right. records, <laughs> records, Uchi Wiley. I t- I's just talking. <laughs>
0: Uh, I appreciate you, Legend. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. I hit you on the text, family. Appreciate you. All right, bro. Love. All right, love. Last Last call. This week's last call. Here's a dirty secret about being a first-generation millionaire. It's like someone that hits the lottery. 75% of those people end up broke again. Why? Why? Because while you were learning your craft, you weren't learning how to manage money. Those are two different skills. I wasn't classically trained in money, but I had to educate myself. And one of the greatest lessons is invest in things that you're knowledgeable about, master your domain. And so that becomes the lesson a professional in your field doesn't necessarily teach you how to manage your money. Those decisions and pitfalls are what allow you to grow and make better choices for your longevity. So I have a challenge for everybody who supports the Renaissance man. Take this time during the quarantine to educate yourself on something new. Learn a second language, take up a new hobby, Challenge yourself to be a better version of yourself. And you know what I'm going to do to challenge myself to get better? I went to the University of Michigan for three years. I made the dean's list. I left after my junior year and entered the draft. I went back to school a few years later, took some correspondence courses because Michigan didn't offer the ones that I wanted. But I was determined to get my degree. So you know what I did? I made it happen anyway. I graduated from the University of Maryland University College. But that's not good enough. I need to graduate from the University of Michigan. So I'm going to put this on wax. My next challenge, my next obstacle that I'm giving myself, I'm going to get an associate's degree from the University of Michigan. That is what I'm going to focus on. I don't know where I'm going to get the time. It's only 24 hours in a day, but that's a challenge that I've made with the man in the mirror. And remember, a wise man once said, never stop learning because life never stops teaching. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Man podcast. See you next week.